welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host and writer for your entertainment corner, Kelsey Loisel. And with me today is my co-host. How do I say it again? Managing editor and writer is creaky.net. No, no, I said it wrong. Okay. Did I say it like that or managing editor and you all first you say your name okay mark salcedo managing editor and writer screen geek <laughs> i don't know why it's the second week in a row that i i, I completely forgot how, how you I don't do want to do it anymore it's not i don't want to do it anymore i just don't want to like do it anymore well you're done having sex got it yeah I, no, I don't. No, 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 no. I don't want to. I don't want to do what the Nike symbol tells me to do. I also think that you're tired of its shit. <laughs> okay. You've been friends with it for a while. Mm-hmm. You're tired of him killing people. Mm-hmm. Go on. So, you know, you're also done with it. Um, I am done with it. Uh, Did you ever finish that book? <laughs> it? Yeah. I remember you were reading that shit for a long ass time. Uh, I was trying to... Okay, hold on. Damn it. Homer said you're done with me looking at you. I was trying to remember this funny line that Grandpa Simpson said in The Simpsons about like, I knew what it was, but then the kids changed what it was, and I don't know what it is. Or some, some like weird line like that. <laughs> I never finished that book. Wait, hold on. Yeah, I never finished the book. I think I lost the book. I think I honestly lost the book. It's because I started getting to a point in the book where I was like, all right, I'm not feeling the story anymore. I'm not fucking feeling the story anymore. Sounds like, you know, personal problem. I know, I know, I know. And my dumbass is like, oh, I'm going to go buy 16 more books. <laughs> you know, like I, like uh, a couple of days ago, I, I bought um, Akira Kurosawa's uh, something of an autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, Craig Hamill from the Secret Movie Club like talks about it a lot on a, on their podcast, and I was like, all right, let me check out this book, like something about it, because I I love Kira Kurosawa, Akira Kurosawa's work, and I'm like, all right, let me check out this autobiography. I also had to do an article on like uh, books on filmmaking for my like nine to five job, ah. and I started reading the Akira Kurosawa book, and I was really liking it, right? Mm-hmm. But I had to go to bed. And Nola, I woke up this morning. I was like, how can I fit that book into my day? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going I'm to try to I'm trying to read a couple of pages before I go to bed tonight. Sometimes I think about that, but about knitting. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got like all your like your knitting material and shit. But I don't like, take it with me to work because there's no way I can fit it in my day because I need my fingers to type. <laughs> so. just, do it, just do it during your lunch. I'm home at lunch. And I eat, and then mm. I leave. You know what I do at lunchtime? I know, I know. And that's the thing. I thought, like, oh, I'll just read the book, like, on my lunch break. No, I like to, like, take my car, go underneath, like, a tree, and, like, take a nap. Take, like, mm-hmm. an hour-long nap. Exactly. Nap. Naps trump books. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that's okay. Because hmm. at least you got started, and you took a nap, and okay. you weren't, you know, just eating. Mm. Because then you'd just be saying, to begin, to begin, how to start. I'm hungry. <laughs> and you never start the book. 
See, I set them up and you knock them down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy I chose that. <laughs> I yeah, because like sometimes I, I look at your quotes that you're gonna that you pull from like whatever movie we're, we're reviewing, and I'm like, I wonder how she's gonna fit that in. Every time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal to ease in real. You can also find us or email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. If you could please mention us or review us, sorry. If you mm. could please review us on iTunes, <laughs> then we'll get noticed. And uh, our segments for this week are our recent review of The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Our variety time is Superman Lives with Nick Cage and Tim Burton. And our geriatric cinematic is Adaptation 2002. And uh, Mark, what's the topic? Uh, Cage, Cage, and I guess more Cage. Because, you know, Spider-Man Rage, I'm still a rat in the cage. Mm-hmm. Cage, 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 Cage. Migraine. Cage. <laughs> um... So, oh, shit, my, my mic again. Like I always do. Uh, it's really early. Come on. Don't I know, this early. right? That's normally like in the like middle. Like halfway through? Yeah, when I'm like very animated, like, oh my God, this is this. And that got, that got, oh, sorry. <laughs> that kind of stuff. My mic stands all loose too. There you go. All right. <sighs> Professional podcaster here. <laughs> all the way. <laughs> um,. So, uh, normally, you know, this is the time where Kelsey and I do some banter and stuff like that, which we're still kind of, kind of do, but, uh, we want to do an announcement, um, for our listeners. Uh, so normally we do an episode a week, you know, we fit in a couple of movies during the week, a recent one, recent review in a Jared cinematic, and then we do all like this planning kind of. On like variety time and all this like situating and stuff like that. Um, so what Kelsey and I had decided have decided to do is that we're gonna kind of take a we're gonna kind of pump the brakes a little bit, um, and we're gonna reduce our episodes to once every other week. So it's pretty much two episodes a week. I'm mean, sorry, not two episodes a week. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, two episodes a month. Uh, we're gonna do two episodes a month now. Um, now we're not going to stay hard and true to that because depending on what's coming out, if there are like a run of like four or five movies that we have to fucking watch, we're going to do it every week. Yeah. 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 Um, but like, for example, um, uh, just kind of give you guys a heads up already. Like we're going to review, uh, Dr. Strange and the, and the, in the multiverse of madness or and the multiverse of madness and we got a jared cinematic with that which we're going to announce at the end um but after that we're going to take the break after that and then we're going to go to the episode the following week which i've already started lining them up um and i i don't have it on my screen right now but just to kind of give you guys an idea i know there's like i think there's like a month in july where we do like maybe three episodes a month in july a month in july there's a month within a month. <laughs> There's a time in July where we do like three episodes for like that month. Because I think it's like Top Gun and then like something else before that or like whatever. But um, this is so that 
because uh, Kelsey and I, we have our, you know, we have our lives. We have kids. We have nine to five jobs. I'm still writing for the site. Kelsey's doing stuff for her site and everything. But we've been like trying to like hunker down on a specific day at, or time to work on our other projects, which we've constantly been put in the back burner. We give ourselves only one day a week, which I still feel like isn't really enough. Yeah. But we felt like that's all we could manage and we're not even managing that. Yeah, yeah. Because normally, because like we're we're kind of like you and I, we're kind of just tired or, or like life gets in the way and we're just like, oh, like let's not do, let's hold off until mm-hmm. like another day or something like and that. And so the, in the podcast, it because we're so doing this every week Mm. we don't want it to feel like it's becoming a chore yeah and sometimes i think it does kind of feel that like that yeah like like there's there there are times where i'm like pulling like what's coming out like i guess we'll do this one or something like that or i can Mm. we can kind of do that um sometimes it works in our favor we're like maybe um two movies come out on the same in the same weekend and we're like all right we got to do it this week and then do it the following week like Mm. we did for like the north men and now for the um unbearable weight of massive talent yeah um yeah like but we still enjoy just so you know we still enjoy doing the podcast we're just i think protecting it by slowing it down a little bit mm. and also making time for ourselves to yeah you know in our personal time and also our creative time yeah we got to keep that high caliber production that we got going on yeah where the mics <laughs> are all set up and not loose and uh-huh. you know not checking sound after We've already started I know, recording. Right? I'm always checking the levels. Like, that's it? Yeah. That's it? Being suspicious of the refrigerator noises every yeah. single time. Or flubbing flubbing the uh, the intro like I've, I have been doing for the past two weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to give you folks an idea, we are working... We're working on one podcast that's more commentary, I guess, but not on film. More on... Just create Creatives. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, no, 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 not that one. The other oh, one. Oh, the other one. The other one. The, oh, a special kind of creative. Yeah, yeah. This is this one is we don't want to we don't really want to reveal exactly what it is, but it's going to be us essentially reading a script, and it's a it's an interesting story. It's a funny fucking story, but like it's only meant for you know people who really understand mm-hmm. you know the true scale of human emotion mm-hmm. high caliber writing and the art of screenwriting just mm-hmm. top tier level dog shit <laughs> <laughs> but we gotta like set up stuff for that as well we gotta like find because it's it's like a multi-person type of show we've got to like get people lined up who's and like to... mark's the only person i know so <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you can get like you can get your co-workers involved. oh yeah okay <laughs> Um, there's that, and then there's another one that Kelsey, another podcast, like, like this, it's kind of like our thing now. We like we're actually this is this is why we like we do the podcast. We're actually we actually enjoy doing it, but we want to like flex our creative muscle. Um, like there's another podcast that Kelsey and I have been we've we've had the beginning steps on it, but there's like a bit of a pause on it because it costs it costs money to get like um, what's it called. Uh, equipment Equipment. and stuff like that and we had a and then the pandemic the other one it it, we need to be face to face with people and checking out um checking out events and different things Mm -hmm. to be able to get that one going so it's like things are are opening up a lot more now but 
Um, it's still. Oh, no, it's your turn to hit the mic. <laughs> yeah, but I don't make it as loud as you do. That, that was pretty loud to me. No, it wasn't. It was all. <laughs> <laughs> equaled all the times I hit the mic. Mm. Gotcha. Mm. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. That's it. As the mic rocks. Din, 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 din. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 other idea we've had, we've had this we've had the other idea for like what going on two years now I think. Yeah, I think we didn't we come up with it during the the pandemic or just before. Just before just before the pandemic and the pandemic hit and we're like, well, we can't do that podcast like until the pandemic if until it, never yeah until if the p- pandemic's over pandemic's over and fortunately it, it has been kind of like settling down now so now we're going to be picking even that though one. the news is saying we're still in the pandemic we still are but it's look it's fine to be over it you know but you know to still be safe yeah. regarding that there are people who are like three months in i'm already over it you know and mm. shit like that and you know they died like whatever yeah um hopefully you know civil uprising won't uh begin anytime soon especially what happened what's going on with roe v wade and scotus and all that shit you have no idea how much that fucking burdens me i i have i mean i will obviously i'll never know because i'm i'm not a woman but i can definitely sympathize with all the women are that it that it affects like i try kind of hard not to think too deeply on it because mm-hmm. i've only ever been so pissed off about something oh yeah maybe once in my life mm. that was the time my ex-father-in-law decided mm. to i think change my brakes while he was drunk oh <laughs> and on. he propped my car up on blocks of wood uh-huh. and then the car just fell completely to the ground yeah and he did manage to put the the wheels back on, but I was so pissed when I left that I actually couldn't see while oh, I was really? driving up the mountain. Fuck, that's pretty mad. Yeah, I was pissed. Okay. I screamed in the car. So I'm that fucking pissed off about what's going on. Okay, well, two things. One, I'm glad you know it wasn't you know the, there was no harm you know on you or anything like that. And two, I'm glad it's not directed towards me. <laughs> I'm not a dangerous person when I get angry okay i'm not because i get it's it's all internalized mm-hmm. so you're not gonna you're not gonna amper her this it's like shit in somebody's bed no i think that's a you move shit in somebody's bed yeah i have used poop to get revenge in the yeah, past yeah all right all right all right i like to make it a spectacle that's uh stankable a stankable stankable <laughs> i see you grabbing some mm-hmm and like using it as chalk on windows drawing like fuck you i would but i have to have like a napkin in my hand or something like that i can't like i can't grab it bear grab it because it's so gross it's poop i mean you use like a plastic baggie or something yeah yeah exactly if i have you know you know i couldn't even do that i feel the warmth of it and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) i would feel the warmth of it and be like i gave it life yeah (laughs) I know. It's, it's so it was gross. like I couldn't even deal with dog shit for that reason. Like I still did it. I still picked it up, but mm. like right. I just can't. It's too warm. All right, I think that's enough about poop. Try <laughs> <laughs> not to talk about poop. It's so gross. Um, Didn't we do that the other weekend? I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck. 
um so anyway yeah yeah just to give you folks a heads up um yeah like i said we're gonna be doing uh two episodes a month um except for in july except for july (laughs) but that's the thing i i think it's july it's definitely not in june because i know in june we can definitely take a break um but yeah it's gonna be in july uh that i think it's like maybe like three episodes and stuff like that and it's and like i said we're gonna you know follow us on all our social medias facebook twitter and instagram we announce it well we'll we will announce it well in advance like hey this is what we got i think we should know at the end of each episode too so it'll be the same as far as announcing our yeah but i like to like read i like to obviously like i like dropping stuff like oh hey like this is what we're going up next week just to kind of give you guys like a weekend a weekend to like watch these movies or stuff like that yeah um uh yeah, so that we don't burn out because Kelsey and I are doing a lot of stuff, and you know, we don't we don't want to make this a chore. Yeah, so, I yeah. actually think you are getting tired of watching movies with me. Not really. I, I ne- honestly, I never get tired of watching movies with you. It's just some. I've I've kind of gotten to a point where like I've been missing on a lot of stuff, or like I just need to start watching movies as much as I used to. Um. And I know you can't do that because you got kids. Sometimes you're tired. You're like, you just want to veg out on like what, like, uh, worst cooks in America. Worst cooks in America. <laughs> my, my way of vegging out or kind of like detaching myself from the day is like, let me go watch like something from the Criterion collection or let me go watch like a foreign film or something like that. Mm. Um, so I know, like, I know sometimes you and I can't be at the same level, but like, um, and that's another thing. Like, I don't, I don't want you to rely solely on me to like watch something. You know, like, oh, like I don't oh, no, want to watch yeah. this at Mark. Like, um, like I'm sure, I'm sure I've told you this, but like, if you say like, oh, I want to watch something, I'll be like, okay, what do you want to want? Like, d- give me a genre, and I'll throw one at you, and then yeah. you know, we'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. Plus, I, I like the idea of you exploring. I want, I like the idea of you watching the movie and be like, oh, you should watch this, and then I just don't watch it. <laughs> I think partly that's why sometimes I don't do that. Well, sometimes you watch crap. Well, if that's the logic. I always do. No, because I have to tell you what to watch. And my stuff is. You don't have to tell me. I watch things on my own. Oh, okay. And then you don't watch it. Yeah, exactly. So no, no, I know, I know. You have to, you have to convince me. I have convinced you. You're just picky. No, I'm just busy at times. No. <laughs> Liar. Don't lie to these good people who are listening right now. They're liable to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Because my word is law. Um, all right. So with that, what do we got coming up? Um, now we are going to do our recent review of The Unbearable Wheat of Massive Talent. What's the worry here, Nick? You've lost some of your talent as an actor? No. What did he say? He says he loves you, but he went in a different direction. I'm done. I'm quitting acting. Tell the trades it was a tremendous honor to be a part of storytelling and myth-making. Ah, fuck, man. I'm driving through the hills. I'm sorry. One more time. We got another offer. It's a million bucks. It's to attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. I would never do that. It's the easiest gig ever. You play yourself. What do we know about this guy anyway? Is he into something strange? It's not like he's gonna want you to suck his dick or fuck his wife or watch you watch him fuck his wife. I wouldn't think so. 
Welcome to Mallorca, Mr. Cage. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Is Javi gonna want me to, uh... I am Javi. Nick Cage. The synopsis is, in this action-packed comedy, Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a superfan and a CIA agent. Directed by Tom Gormacon. He's related to the Necronomicon. Yes. <laughs> Written by Kevin Etten and Tom Gormican. Mm-hmm. Stars Nick Cage, Pedro Pascal, Tiffany Haddish, and Sharon Horgan. When you said Necronomicon, I was like, she's never seen that movie. But my dumb, that's my dumbest saying, she's never seen that movie. Instead of like, no, the, ne- the Necronomicon exists outside of movies, Mark, you fucking moron. Well, mostly just know what it is from the con. <laughs> Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I think the first time I ever really heard about it uh, was when you're like, oh, I really like that pin. Oh, the Necronomic. Oh, yeah. At the at that at that arcade expo. That's where I got it. It was at the arcade expo that we went out and banned. Oh, yeah. That's where mm-hmm. I got the Necronomic pin. That's a sweet ass pin. Sweet ass pin. <laughs> um, all right. So the unbearable weight of massive talent. Um I remember hearing about this movie fucking like last year and I was like, holy God, I think that might be the greatest idea of a Nick Cage movie ever, right? Given that Nicolas Cage has been in so many movies and so many genres, um, you know, for a good, what, 10, 15 years, he was just turning out these movies like over and over and over, just boom, 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 you know, giving Bruce Willis a run for his money. Um, So I, I felt like this movie was like, Maybe like a, almost like a, oh, how do you say it? Culmination, if, if I said that correctly, of all, like, seems like a, what, like this whole Nick Cage fandom that's like led up to. Yeah, that's like, the right word you used. Where, you know, you got Face Off, The Rock, um, Con Air. Con Air. Uh, you got Moonstruck. You got Phrasing Arizona. You got Wild at Heart. You got uh, even the craptacular movies like. Uh, when Man, t- well, Mandy was good, though. Yeah, well, like Windwalkers or fucking Knowing or Bangkok Dangerous, like all these really drive angry, these really bad movies, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's kind of been like this whole like Nick Cage, Nick Cage Asan or... Nick Cage-a-thon? No, 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 like, uh, like how they were saying like Matthew McConaughey or Connaissance, there you go, like a Nick Cage-a-thons or whatever. Um, oh, like a renaissance? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where, like, Nick Cage does Mandy, which is, I, I, I thought visually that movie was a great movie. I um, love that movie. Uh, and then he comes out with Pig, which, that's him coming back to, like, showing that the dude can act. That's a legitimately good, great performance from Nick Cage. Um, so now we've got the unbear- unbearable weight of massive talent. Um, Kelsey, what did you think of this movie? I was kind of mad on it. Okay, okay. I can kind of see why you be mad on it, mad on it because you're not like I'm a fan of some of his things that yeah. I know, but I don't know everything in his in his filmography. Like yeah, this. so it's like I'm sure a lot of it went over mm-hmm. my head. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a super fan, like I'm not, like mm-hmm. I do love him, but not I just don't know him that well. So yeah, yeah. Well, oh, Eight Millimeter is one of my favorite movies. So- <laughs> All right, so all right, so what what Nick, what Nicolas Cage movies have you seen? 
Eight millimeter. Okay, we got that. <laughs> uh, I know you've Con seen, Air. I know you've seen Raisin Arizona because I showed you that one. Mm-hmm. So you've seen Con Air. Face Off. Seen Face Off. So you've seen so you've seen like some of the really good ones. There was one he was in. Mm. I don't remember her name, but she was um, like a. I think she was mixed. She was like black and Latina. Okay. It was an old movie. I think she was in White Men Can't Jump. Rosie Perez. Oh, um. I think it's called like Lucky Numbers. I think I think I, that's what it was. Yeah. I don't remember that movie that well, but I know I watched that. Okay, uh, let me see. Nick Cage, Rosie Perez. Yeah. Uh, oh, it could happen where he went, where he's a cop who wins a lottery ticket. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So you've, you've seen uh, is that and Mandy that, and Mandy? Okay. Um, I feel like you and I have watched another one together. No, you have not. Um, so, so yeah, you've kind of, that's, that's the funny thing. You've seen like somebody who's not Nick Cage, you, somebody might hear that. And if it's not Nick Cage, they would be like, oh, that's a, that's a decent filmography. Like you've seen like a number of movies and it's like, no, you don't that, understand. That's, that's just like, like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it's barely like the tip of the iceberg and everything. Right. Like I've seen like a bunch of his bad movies too mm-hmm. and have gone and been like, yeah, that movie was bad. You know, there was a movie he did, um, with Ron Perlman. I watched this movie recently. It was so bad. Uh, you know, I should just bring up his filmography and just keep it on my screen. Uh, season of the Witch. Woo! 2011 Season of the Witch, where he plays like, it's like a sword and sorcery story with him and Ron fucking Perlman. Was oh, he in The Wicker Man? Yes, he was in the remake of The Wicker Man. I think I watched part of that, and my mom was like, this is bad, and she turned it off. I went to the theaters to go see The Wicker Man, and I fucking fell asleep while watching it. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I really I really want to rewatch it because I, I, I haven't revisited it since then, um, but I've seen like clips of it. Like There's literally a, literally a part where he's like wearing a bear suit, and he punches a woman and he's trying to like get through like a compound and shit mm. like that it's it's ridiculous ridiculous obviously that's the one where he's like no no not the bees not the bees ah. oh i saw it gone in 60 seconds that's all that's an all right movie i'm more of a fan of the original gone in 60 seconds um but yeah oh of course oh, leaving las vegas you've seen leaving las vegas as well mm-hmm. so you've seen a decent amount of, of nick cage films but I feel like the unbearable weight of massive talent kind of it doesn't require like you to go through all his movies, but to like at least have like a a deeper understanding or like a re- a really good reference point to be like oh they're talking about this movie oh this is this movie and stuff. Like I that. think part of the problem is that I see him as how he was and not what he's capable of now. Mm, so you see more in the more of like wild men or like kind of bad stuff. That's what I think. And mm-hmm. and like so in this movie all I saw was like an old actor who's mm-hmm. kind of twitchy. Yeah, okay. He is kind of twitchy. And I and I think that makes sense especially with this one because this is like a fictionalized version of himself. Right. Mm. And he is kind of twitchy. Doesn't matter young or old, he's always kind of been that way and I kind of mm-hmm. feel like I'm trying to place him in like today's world of acting. Mm, okay. Like he still worked in Mandy. Yeah. But could he do something now and not just be fucking crazy? Like, I feel like he's almost aged Mm. out of being relevant. 
And I don't know that that's true. I'm not saying that it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's just from what you've what you've seen. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, you've you you've seen Mandy. You like Mandy. I I should really show you Pig. Pig. He's not crazy at all. He just looks. He's just a broken man in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I would even say maybe even in in um massive in the massive talent movie that he's not as wild as he normally is there are there are parts that kind of like all right that is nick cage Mm -hmm. but i think that like the scenes ask of him to do that it's not him just being like wow like just crazy for no reason Mm -hmm. you know he's like literally being shot at or it's like an intense moment where he's like ah and all that kind of stuff you know like like face off called it from him you know or or the rock or something like that Mm -hmm. um so what? So that being said, what did you think of Cage's performance in, in this movie? Um, I thought there was never a moment where I didn't find him believable. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think there was anything really spectacular about it. Mm-hmm. Was there a part where he was crying? I felt like there was a part where he was like he had a tear or something. Um, I feel like you're thinking of adaptation. Oh yeah, it was. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, cause I think I already know what you're talking about. Yeah. No. Um, he, yeah, he was just, I guess. Okay. Nothing spectacular. Or anything like Nothing that? spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, I got tired of the, um, the version of him. That's kind of crazy mm-hmm. that he's talking to. Oh, the Nicky Cage version of him. Mm-hmm. So, check that out. That version of him. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. There is this interview that he did at the beginning of the '90s. It was this British broadcast, and he came out with that whole wow kind of attitude. Like he straight up did like karate kicks, and like I think he did like a backflip or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. He's like throwing money at the crowd, like yeah, here you go, here you go, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, I, I read it in, in an interview. I think he did it with THR or an interview with somewhere, someone where he was like, no, like at that time, that was me because he felt like his shit didn't stink. Because oh, okay. he was a, he was like at the top of his game. I think this was like after Moonstruck. I think it was after Moonstruck and maybe after Wild at Heart where he was just like, I'm the fucking shit. I'm Nick fucking Cage. You know, mm, he's honestly right now. He's kind of giving me Harrison Ford vibes. How do you mean? Like crotchety. Mm, okay. Not not as bad as Harrison Ford because he mm. kind of is a dick. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Harrison Ford has come off as a as a as a dick as of lately. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I just kind of. I'm not gonna say I'm over him. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm willing to watch more of his stuff. I just this film didn't do it for me. Mm, okay, okay, that's understandable. Yeah, I, like like um like i said like pig is a really great movie uh i'm trying i'm looking through his filmography of like okay obviously you saw mandy um there's this movie he did it's called joe which that was one of yeah joe directed by um joe which is directed by david gordon green um that's he he feels really connected to that role i remember here reading an interview with him about that um Oh, bring out the dead! Bring out the dead is another. That's another great movie. That is on. That's a Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. That's a really underrated film. Um, and I believe during an AM an AMA Reddit thread, he said that was his best movie 
Mm. I think he said like either I know it's like his top three was a Bring Out the Dead pick and like Leaving Las Vegas, and I think Bring Out the Dead is like top for mm. like that's like where I did my best work. Gotcha. Um, I think Frank, if he's never listens to our podcast, mm-hmm. he probably disowned me for not seeing Bring Out the Dead. No, for my oh Nick for oh Nick he'll disown he'll disown anybody who just like you don't like Nick Cage <laughs> fucking dead dead dead. <laughs> Um, okay, so what did you think? Okay, so let's say like Pedro Pascal. What did you think of him? Um, it was interesting to see him in that kind of a role. Like a very like almost. He was not dumb. a badass. He wasn't a badass. He was more of like, he was more of just like a straight fanboy. Yeah, yeah. and I could actually see the emotion in his eyes, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Mm-hmm. That was it though for me. Like on him, uh-huh. the best thing about him was how expressive his eyes are. Yeah, I I really like uh, like I I really love Nick. For my opinion, like I really love Nick Nick Cage's role. Close to like second is like Pedro Pascal. Like something about him is just like, damn, this dude's fucking charming. I can see why like people just love watching this dude. I wasn't charmed by him. Well, I was. <laughs> I was definitely charmed by him. But you have a crush on him, but I don't. Have I told you that before? Yeah. Okay, because I'm I I feel like I forgot because I'm watching. I'm just like, oh shit, I have a crush on this dude. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, but but the but but the with the but with, within this movie, like the two of them, I love their chemistry together. Um, that did work really well. Yeah. So I did like their chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, because Nick Cage does come off as like kind of jaded uh-huh. and then you have pedro pascal who kind of comes off as i have a bunch of money and then all of a sudden they end up not being like i don't know i like their whole their whole thing they're like their bonding kind of thing going mm-hmm. on and everything one thing that i i really did like about this movie and you don't you honestly don't see this often is whenever in in a piece of like uh entertainment whether it's like a a, a movie a tv or radio broadcast whatever though there there's always this like there's always like this joke that if there's a fanboy who's like oh i got a script will you please read my script i want you to be in my movie they normally like per, like perceive that person to be like an idiot or like a horrible writer or mm-hmm. like no business in in entertainment whatsoever mm-hmm. but the fact that like he is this but he's actually not that bad of a writer yeah you know like i think like oh that's so great. They actually shined like a light on that. And I, I honestly feel like the Pedro Pascal character is was like uh, Tom McGorick, McGor- the, the allegory for the director. Okay. Because this is, this is you know, like I said, he's... he's oh, yeah, because he, what, I think I read that you, in the notes that he put, um, he attached a letter because Nick was like, uh-uh, I'm not doing a movie about myself. Yeah, yeah. So... So the what what I found from the IMDb page is um like Nick, Nick Cage had turned down this role several times and it wasn't until after he read a letter from the director Tom uh uh McCann, um that was attached to the script and what what Nick Cage had said was I had no interest in playing myself in a movie uh but when I received a nice letter from the director and I read the script the first act really terrified me and by the time I got to the acts Two and three. I thought Tom is taking us on, taking us on an adventure that is really quite exciting. Mm-hmm. So like they could have been, and, and this movie doesn't really play up like the idea of like 
even like remotely like really shitting on Nick Cage, it's more of like celebrating him. Like, yeah, you've done all these movies, but there's like a love for your movies, no matter how bad they are. There are people who like Ghost Rider. There are people. Oh, who- I did watch that one too. See, as, as we're talking about, you're like, now you're like, oh yeah, there's this one, there's this one, there's this one. There are people who like uh, Lord of War, you know? Um, I myself like Bad Lieutenant Porter Call uh, New Orleans, but it's because he's like, he's high off his ass most of the time <laughs> in that movie, <laughs> you know? Um, I even like Drive Angry, which I think could have went a little bit harder, but that, that was, I dug that, that movie a little bit more recent? Drive Angry came out, uh, no, about uh, 11 years ago. It wasn't that recent. Um, uh, even, even, even like, to continue, like, how people appreciate Nick Cage, Ethan Hawke has said during an interview that he was like, Nick, Nicholas Cage is an actor that, like, he's, he ha- he's able to really elevate the, the, po- the, 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 the artistic merit of acting. Because he takes, he takes these roles and he goes in it and he just, takes it and does whatever he can to like really elevate the character even though it can be extreme mm-hmm. it's still like damn this dude's like said fuck it he's just gonna be in this weird movie because fuck it why not you mm-hmm. know um so i like with that being said i actually i really enjoyed the writing um some of it is kind of like washed over like the the, the whole thing about the cousins and mm-hmm. like that whole reveal and how like Pedro Pascal is this, is like this drug lord or whatever, and how they exp- how they like explain that situation. It's mm-hmm. just like, all right, I guess we're just gonna just whatever, whatever that part of the story. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of got a sense that mm-hmm. they focused so much on Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal that they didn't focus enough on the story. They mm-hmm. really could have made it something. Oh, by 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 keeping by expanding on by just making it clever or mm, like yeah, yeah. an actual good story. Mm-hmm. I felt like they wrote it for Nick Cage, and it was almost like a fan service for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he wasn't interested until he read that letter, and then he's like, "Oh wait, this is like it's gonna be really fun because yeah. it's about me." And I'm like, "Okay, but like." It's not a bad movie. Yeah. So I'm not shitting on it. it there, it's. I just, I, I felt like it needed something. It needed some salt. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like where you're coming from is that you wanted the movie to be a bit deeper. Maybe. Yeah, which is understandable because like, if, I mean, which with this one is like meta in the sense of like Nick Cage playing himself, but it's not like meta, meta, like adaptation. You can like look at adaptation and see all the multi layers. Yeah. within the story where this one is just like yeah it's like a fan service but it's done not so not too clever which i think i think that would have helped as well if it was a bit more clever in this joke telling mm-hmm. but more just like we just we know where we are it's, yeah it it's, doesn't have to be very deep it just will need it to be like more clever mm-hmm. a little bit better of a story yeah yeah not you know maybe a little bit deeper emotion yeah, a I, little bit it doesn't have I to be you. super super like thespian acting you know but why not? It's Nicolas Cage. It's of that caliber. <laughs> uh, so what do you think of Tom McGormick's... Uh, sorry, what is it? Gormick and what do you think of this his directing? This is actually his first... Uh, this is his directorial debut. Oh, no, oh. actually, no. I'm sorry. He directed a movie called the, That Awkward Moment. Uh, oh, yeah. Which did not do well. So this is like his second like feature film. I, like, I, I liked his directing. Mm-hmm. 
There was one scene specifically with the wall. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that part. Okay, I gotcha. Um yeah, like I I I did enjoy his directing. It wasn't there wasn't anything like super spectacular, but the fact that like this is his second feature and he actually makes like a decent uh a decent look at like action films and stuff like that mm-hmm. and how to like incorporate them or kind of how to bring certain things up at, earlier in the movie and bring them up later and mm-hmm. kind of like in a huge payoff way, but like in a payoff way that's like, "Okay, I can see where that came from." I think that's I think that's the sign of a very competent director who's just you know really getting his like footing and what he wants to do right um i don't know i think that's about it for that you want to hop into the spoiler section or if you have anything mm-hmm. else that okay so let me cue it up all right so we're gonna get into the spoiler section uh we're gonna talk in great lengths about uh the unbearable weight of massive talent damn it's a long title <laughs> so for those who don't want to be spoiled here's your spoiler bumper right about now So the wall. Let's talk about that wall. <laughs> the wall. Let's talk about that wall scene. They got very, very high. Oh, I love that. Ugh. They took LSD, LSD so they could write their fucking script better. Okay. One thing. Okay. One thing I want to jump. I want to jump up before you get into the whole why you liked about that the the wall scene. I, 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 I maybe because I've maybe because the age I'm at now. And the fact of like my history of like using uh, drugs, you know, ecstasy, acid, you know, LSD, shrooms, and all that kind of stuff, right? I've gotten to a point now where I don't care if someone's high. I don't care to see like CGI visuals. Like mm-hmm. it to me, you that, just like watching the person. <laughs> I just like watching the person and seeing them react to it and be like, "Yep, that's it. That's how you act," you know? Because like I feel like the whole visual aid of it, it's kind of cheap and it, it never gets it right mm-hmm. ever you know like people have different experience on on different drugs a, a example is uh there was one time kelsey and i um we took we accidentally took too much uh edibles edibles you know we, we were like oh this edible ain't gonna do shit yeah because we had one before that didn't do shit so we're like oh yeah, whatever. yeah that's right yeah yeah and that's right. i ate the whole thing and you're like wait what about me so then i took a piece and gave it to you you ate the whole thing i was going to and you're because like, i remember because i remember taking a small bite yeah because i took it out of my mouth yeah and <laughs> thinking like dude i ain't gonna do shit fucking three hours later oh shit <laughs> it was funny because you're like you didn't know that you were high until i said i feel like the room is spinning and you're like spinning spinning <laughs> spinning I'm like what and i had to go to work the next day i was like mm, calling in sick neither of us went to work <laughs> called in sick. um so yeah like i i like i like i enjoy i more enjoy seeing people how they react to it and then i can go like okay yeah they like whoever wrote this knows their shit right because they actually watching somebody high it's actually more enjoyable than watching somebody being hot like visualizing their highness and stuff like that mm-hmm. right so that so that part of the movie like leading up to it like i, I just like that part there i even mm-hmm. just like that part but you but going about the the wall scene 
Um, I actually like the part when they're in the car and Pedro Pascal is like, here's some acid. And Nick Cage is like, I. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's like, nah, I'm good. He's like, it'll help us writing. And he's yeah. like, all right, fine, whatever. Yeah, fuck it. It's as fuck, yeah. So he takes it. And then they end up getting really paranoid when they go into town. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a couple of people looking at them. Mm. And they just decided to run away. And they ran. Yeah. And ran, and then they come to a wall. Yeah. And, like, Pedro Pascal's like, you're, like, my idol. I'm going to help you. So he helps him up to the top of that wall. Yeah, I will be your stool to, to safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Nick Cage struggles, but he finally makes it to the top of the wall. Mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal can't make it because like he can't reach nick cage all the way up there yeah and he's like too heavy they're like like really trying to pull him up yeah so so he's like it's okay just go on without me nick cage struggles for like a second he's like no i don't want to but he's like he's like i love no he doesn't say i love you but he goes like i'll never forget you yeah (laughs) and he falls off the top of the wall to the uh, other side uh, which it, to me i was like "Ooh, that looks like it fucking hurt i know i i, I, I think that's funny because you and i have gotten to an age where we see somebody fall we're like oh they, they gotta feel that in the morning like, <laughs> <laughs> and then nick cage stands up and he's like fuck and all of a sudden you see pedro pascal look from the side of the wall yeah. he's like hey <laughs> yeah, he's like oh how would you get up there and he's like you see the camera pan around yeah there was a short little wall yeah. like there wasn't even a wall where like you could just walk around the wall <laughs> yeah yeah, I was, yeah that part that was like a really good comedy beat that went on and that's funny because like i think anybody else less of a uh comedy writer um like would it would have it would have felt like that scene would have dragged on but it was i think it was perfect because it, it was just these two dudes who were like really high and like the way how Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal played it off, they were like so convincing and so like into their own world. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they just like, like forgot the cameras were there Mm. and just went like crazy on that scene. I kind of wish that they would have made the movie a little bit more like that scene. That scene Mm. was really good, but out of place really and comparison to the rest of the movie i Mm. feel like Mm. because the rest of the movie wasn't really like that are you sorry you're saying like you wish like they were like high like a little bit longer or just not just high but like had (laughs) moments like oh you know where something funny happened or something Mm. i I just felt like they they focused so much on their their bro love Mm. that it just didn't mean anything to me Oh, okay, I get you. Like I don't I felt I liked their chemistry. I'm not saying that, but mm-hmm. um but I also kind of didn't care at the same time. I honestly I think it's I think it's because you never had bro love. Bro love goes deep. It goes real deep. <laughs> you know what would be really interesting? Hmm. If they made a movie with Nick Cage mm-hmm. and Nicky Cage. Mm. And Pedro Pascal, and what? Petey Pascal or some shit. Okay. And they all ran into each other all the time. Like you mm. know how like Nick Cage's Nicky Cage would come out. Yeah, yeah. But what if Nicky Cage and like Pedro Pascal's like alter ego met and became friends? I think that would be good. Um, 
not not with Pedro Pascal because he hasn't he hasn't had that much of a career to like have that that persona that you know that alter ego kind mm-hmm. of thing. But like maybe somebody like like a, like a Keanu Reeves or something like that. Like a Keanu Reeves now meets yeah, his Keanu Reeves yeah. from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. I think that would, that would be perfect, especially if it's like two of them on a road trip or some shit like that. I think that'd be kind of funny. Yeah. Um, one thing, one of the things I, I did like about this movie is like, um, you know, as, as I said earlier, like this movie is like meta, but not like deeply meta, but like how it kind of like plays with the, the whole, like when, like when Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal characters are like talking about like, Oh, this is a story. It's going to be about two guys who are like best friends and everything like that. And they, they even say like, they even make a commentary on, this type of movie where it's like, well, you can't just be two guys talking because that doesn't really sell, you know, which is a true thing in Hollywood. You can't just make a movie about two people talking, you know. You can. Oh, you can, but like, like I said, it doesn't really sell, you know. Like, okay, let's say, let's say for example, like before before sunrise, right? Those are just two people talking, right? What's that rotoscoping movie we watched? Waking Life. Okay. That's all talking. Okay, but it but you're missing the key word sell. Like mm-hmm. in other words, make money. Like, really make money. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, Which is probably part of the problem with Hollywood, by the way. Well, it's that. And That's like, why they keep making fucking Transformers movies and shit. Yeah, it's, it's that and also the consumer. Like, you and I you and I could watch people converse all the time on cinema or, or, or in a program as long as it's just, like, engaging enough. I love that you use the word program like an old person. Well, because I want to say, I don't want to say, I don't want to say movies. I want to say, like, television as well. But you, know? you could have said television. Can I just say program? Wait, I'm, I, I'm, I I'm, said I love it. I'm making a blanket statement. Blanket statement. I said I love it. Good. So I'm not repeating it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I was getting at is like this, they make a commentary on that about, you know, like I said, people, two guys just talking doesn't sell a movie. Well, we got to throw in a kidnapping. We got to throw in an action scene. We got to throw in this. Oh, this, but this movie just, what movie is it? Like, where is it going? Why are we doing this? And as the movie progresses, it does that. Where's like, where is this movie going now? Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing about like two bros like like spending time together. Now there's like a drug cartel kind of thing involved. There's uh The CIA kind of jumped in pretty early. The CIA jumped in early. The thing about that I'm I'm a little bothered is that I feel like Tiffany Haddish wasn't used enough in this. I feel movie. like that's the problem with her in every single thing she does. And she's not in it enough? I feel like she has it in her to be really great, but they mm-hmm. use her as a fucking plot point. Yeah. Yeah, I totally so She agree. is like supposed to be the funny man or whatever, and she never mm-hmm. is because it, they're trying too hard. So she's mm-hmm. just there and annoying. Well, there's there's this movie. I haven't checked it out yet. It's this movie by Paul Schrader called, the, uh, I think it was called The Card Counter with uh, Oscar Isaac, and Tiffany Haddish is in that movie as well. And she's more of... Oscar Isaac's uh, love interest in that movie, mm. uh, and it's a, it's a more dramatic role, for, at least from like the trailers and the stills I've seen and everything. It's more of a dramatic role. It just I, the reason I haven't checked it out is because it just wasn't advertised well enough. I, I like there was nothing that was like I want to watch this movie. Yeah, it was just shitty advertising. Gotcha. Um, so I with Tiffany ha- Tiffany Haddish has it like she can do it. Like there's a there's a TV show on uh, Apple TV called After Party. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially like Clue, mm-hmm. uh, but like is that my computer is going to be doing that now? Yep. You know what? Ha <laughs> ha! Now it's your turn. 
I'm the one who spent a lot on my computer. Well, see, what you need to do is have your job get you a nice, expensive computer and use it for your off hours. I do have one. Use that for your off hours, then. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Oh yeah, so after party, after party is another is an opportunity that Tiffany Haddish has or that she uses where she um, uses her comedy, her talent as a comedian, and like really shines in that show. Hmm. But once again, like that's more of a comedic role as opposed of like a more dramatic role. Right. She does a bit of that in uh, Massive Talent, but I I feel like she I like her character gets like her her character gets shot in the shoulder, and like that's it. Yeah, you don't know if she lived or died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's good and just gone. She disappeared. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? She just faded away. She's an NPC character. Just bling, gone. <laughs> um, I'm trying to see what else is there. Oh, so one thing. So let, let's talk about the film part of it. Um, more specifically, there's that one scene where he's in therapy with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And oh. <laughs> here you tell the story because I was just like, oh my fucking god, that's me. The scene he's talking about is he's in therapy with his daughter, Nic- Nicholas Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, his daughter played by uh... oh, I didn't get his daughter's name, but go on, sorry. So they're in therapy and. He's answering all of the therapy, therapist questions for his daughter. Mm-hmm. And he just talks over her. And she clearly doesn't like watching the movies that he likes to watch. Or she might, but like she never gets to say what she wants to watch. And um, so he's like, um, oh, but you love that one, honey, right? And yeah, The daughter played by Lily Mo Sheen. Uh, and her character's name was Eddie. Yeah, and um, and he was like, "Oh, she has such, uh, such." Like she has like an eye for like catching like certain cinematic cues and stuff like that. Yeah, like an evolved taste. Yeah, yeah, that's what you say. Yeah, something like that. And she's just like, "No, Dad. Like, I just want to. I don't want to watch these things with you. Like." (laughs) And I remember you telling me something about a couple of weeks ago where you were trying to watch something with Leia and she just left the room. Um, that's happened a, quite a few times. I know. I think there was one recently. I think it was turning red. She like left the room, but she did come back. Was it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think you were trying to show her some kung fu or something. Yeah, there it, there was a Michelle Yeoh movie I wanted to take her to that was at the New Beverly. And I was explaining to her, like, oh, yeah, like, it's Michelle Yo, you like her in this movie, this movie. She's in Super Cop. She was in the other movie that we watched. So we should definitely, like, go and watch it. She was like, yeah, I don't want to go. I was like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I don't want to go. And you're like, oh, her mind works the way mine does. She's so creative and awkward. And, you know, she just moves too fast like I do. Like, mm. I feel like she's going to be a writer. Or some type of... Sometimes she does like to write. She does like being creative. She does. I. But I, it's so funny because you put that weight on her sometimes where you're just like, oh man, like me and her are going to be like like We're going like to be like this. this. Yeah, we have fingers, fingers crossing each other. We're going to be super tight. And, you know, that's not And the then case. you take her to the Academy Museum. <laughs> Fuck, was that a shitty day. <laughs> but yeah, that whole scene with Nick Cage and like his daughter telling that, I was just... 
I, was I watching, looked at him and he's like, stop it. I know. I felt you look at me. And I'm like, mm, fuck, that's me. Okay. I got to stop it. But like, <laughs> but honestly, like watching that scene actually made me realize like, like, like okay, my daughter's not me. Like, I mean, she, she is my daughter, but she has her own interests. I can't force a movie on her or anything. She, there, I mean, there was a time where she would like watching movies with me or with us. Like, like when we watched, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Never Ending Story together, or we mm-hmm. watched like RoboCop, or we watched uh, what was that one? Uh, the Shining, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Like she was like into these movies, but mm-hmm. she's at she's getting at an age now where if it's not her phone, she doesn't care. Yeah, or if she's not like if it's like a certain video game, or she's like really into like those warrior books. Oh know? yeah, she's like really getting into those now, you know. Yep. And she's into like kind of like cos she's into like cosplaying and you know? all all the stuff that like. I'm not really into anymore. I was into like video games. Obviously, I'm into uh, reading, but not to like the era that she's in now. She likes playing like multiplayer games. And yeah. I'm just like, that's not my jam. Yeah. Um, but like that whole scene kind of had me think, like, take a step back and go, like, okay, I need to stop. Like, it's okay to celebrate the things that you do share mm-hmm. and then, you know, still try with her. She should meet you halfway yeah yeah don't give up but definitely like you know it's like that time you're like i don't want you to be a cheerleader so you can't be a cheerleader no she's not being a fucking cheerleader (laughs) (laughs) uh but the the one but one of the things that that i thought about when i saw that scene was like i don't want her i don't want to force like movies on her to the point where she's like i fucking hate movies or i don't want to watch any of the shit or like Mm -hmm. whatever you know because because i gave her like that bad taste i want her to get into her own thing if she wants to get into her own thing if she wants to come back to watch a movie i'm always here you should uh make her watch meet the feebles gosh she would actually like that because it's <laughs> so demented would. and fucked up <laughs> you know what i was thinking real quick hmm. it would have been i know we already did it but this movie probably would have been good with death trap really yeah because it's about screenwriting like two people screenwriting but one of them goes a happy way and the other one goes a really fucked up way Mm, probably i don't know i think our pairing with that and And that that one was meta too because it was like a movie based off a play based off a you know yeah but i i don't think i don't think um massive talent is as deep no, um, it's not. But that's the thing. We try not to be too matchy matchy sometimes. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I think our 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 matching that up with uh, Knives Out. I think that was like straight up like perfect with that combination. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah. just saying it works. <sighs> yeah, but like it doesn't work. 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 Exactly. Work, work, I was work. hoping I get that out of you. <laughs> um. All right. So final say on this movie. Uh, I say go check it out because I really, I really enjoyed it. If you're a Nick Cage fan, this is definitely like up your jam, up your jam. <laughs> that sounds. So I know wrong. mixing more metaphors and shit. That's it's, it's definitely. It's, is it up your ass? or is it your jam? Yeah, I know. I meant to. <laughs> yeah, it's your jam. It's your jam. Yeah, up it's, your alley, maybe up your alley. I think so. Yeah, I think I'm, I was getting up your alley, and that's your jam. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Up your alley jam. Ew. <laughs> that sounds worse. <laughs> By the way, hmm. I just found out from my brother what a, an, an axe wound was. <laughs> it was an axe wound. Think about it. You get uh, you get hit with an axe? No. Axe body spray? 
Um, uh, <laughs> I think I got it. It was just female part. Ew, that hurts. <laughs> this is so painful. No, you're not using an axe. It's just the shape of it is like. Yeah, it's like hit. It like it hits that area, right? Really? No, nothing hits anything. <laughs> it's just a descriptor. Oh. Oh, because you're saying, I'm thinking like literally something got hurt, but no, you're, oh, so you're describing a vagina. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Right. I'm all about that. I just thought it was funny. What's, what's your final say on this movie? <laughs> so, it's just so ridiculous. Um, I'm very mad on it. Very mad on it. I say, if you like Nicolas Cage, go watch it. Mm. If you don't really care about him that much, then maybe don't go watch it. Yeah, but who doesn't love Nicolas Cage? Me apparently. You're like one out of like all, of, all of people. <laughs> no, <laughs> all of people. All of people, right? Yeah. I one speak, out of all of people. I speak English good. <laughs> okay, mongrel. <laughs> all right. Um. So what do we got next? Next, we are going to do our variety time. <laughs> We're going to do a segment where mostly Mark is talking about Mm -hmm. Superman lives with Nick Cage and Tim Burton. It's a documentary. Uh, Yeah. So, um, Kelsey, I know you're somewhat aware of this about the Tim, the Superman movie directed by Tim Burton that almost was. Mm -hmm. All right. So there are, I mean... And the very, very sad looking pictures of him. <laughs> With like long hair and shit. <laughs> so a lot of people, not a lot of people, there are some people who are aware that uh, Nicolas Cage almost played the Man of Steel. So, uh, Nicolas Cage is actually a huge Superman fan as well. He's, he's a huge comic book fan. He's a huge Superman fan. Um, and for a time being, there was going to be a Superman movie um, in the late 90s. Uh, it was going to be directed by Tim Burton. Um, the script at one point was written by Kevin Smith uh, during the height of his career. Um, and there is this documentary uh, out that came out, I believe, last year or the year before that. And it's called uh, The Death of Superman Lives Again. I think that's the name of the documentary. Uh, let me get the exact name of it. Uh, the <laughs> it's funny you didn't put it in the notes. <laughs> I know, right? More professionalism. Oh, no, okay. I know, right? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This documentary came out in 2015. I feel like this documentary barely came out, but it came out in 2015. It's called "The Death of Superman Lives: What Happened." Okay, so I ha- I unfortunately haven't had the time to check out the documentary, but I figured. Since we were talking about Nicolas Cage, I would find out information on this movie that almost happened, right? So I found this uh, great article on Screen Rat. It was published in September of 2021, uh, written by Adrian Tyler. And the article uh, is titled, What uh, Tim Burton's Superman Lives Would Have Looked Like and Why It Didn't Happen. Uh, so I'm going to be reading expert excerpts from this article and pass along this information, okay? So as I said, like the film was in development uh, in the late nineties, um, it was going to be directed by Super, uh, Superman. Superman. <laughs> be directed by Tim Burton, right? And Tim Burton was like, 
still on the high of like the Batman of stuff. the Batman movies. Yeah, right. So obviously Warner Brothers was like, well, he's done Batman. Give him Superman. Yeah. Okay. They almost had DCEU. Oh, I know, right? That that's a crossover. That is honestly a DCEU crossover. I would have liked to have seen Michael Keaton's uh, Batman meeting Christopher Reeves, Superman, uh, Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, and I can't remember the actor. The actor who played Flash in the TV show. I would have actually liked seeing those characters like together. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that never happened. Um. So the article goes. In addition to exploring Gotham City, uh, Batman, and the different. Uh, threats living in that world. Tim Burton was close to making Superman movie titled Superman Lives, but the project never came to be. And here's what it would have looked like. So the title, Superman Lives, the project was was being rewritten by Kevin Smith in the late 1990s, and it was uh, he who suggested Tim Burton as director. Um, so, you know, during the stage development, one of the actors that was picked to play the role of the Man of Steel was Nicolas Cage. Um, so it says Nicolas Cage was reportedly cast as he could portray Clark, Clark Kent's um, sense of alienation as a script that was very close to becoming the final product written by Dan Gilroy. He had to rewrite it and stuff like that. So Clark's biological parents, Jorel and Laura, placing baby Kal-El and his rocket ship. Uh, and so he had no idea of who he really was and where he came from, which kind of did the whole alienation thing, which is honestly like the whole Superman thing, you know? Um, so speaking to IndieWire in 2014, Gilroy explained that in his draft, Superman Lives, Kalo's biggest fear was that he was an alien. And so the story saw Superman in therapy oh. in the beginning of the movie. Cage and Superman Lives made it as far as a screen test. Now, there are pictures and there's videos of the screen test. He's wearing this weird, like... like it's oh, like a stretchy, like... Almost like a Halloween costume. Yeah, yeah, with like long hair and stuff like that. Uh, from what I remember, um, they didn't want him to have a cape. They didn't even want him to fly in the movie. The producer was like, I don't want him to fly. So they want him to be emo Superman. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, so the script would have been loosely based on Superman, uh, the death of Superman. Um, Kelsey, have you ever, do you know what the death of Superman is? I, I feel like you explained it once, but I don't mm. remember. So, uh, through so the article goes, Superman lives went through various rewrites, but what most, what most, if not all of them, seem to have in common the crossover comic book event, the death of Superman. So, the death of Superman was published in December uh, 1992 and 1993, and it was divided in three arcs. Right, it was divided in uh, Doomsday, which Superman dies, uh, the funeral of a friend, which is like mourning his death, and then the reign of Superman, which would have brought in these Superman imposters. There's actually this animated movie called. Um, the DC animation uh, or WB animation with DC, they've done these movies in uh, in animated form, which is the Death of Superman and then the Reign of Superman, which actually is not bad. It's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember this being a huge event when I was a kid. It was on the fucking news that they were killing Superman. Right? <laughs> My mom went out and got the graphic novel. Of the death of Superman, right? It's the original print. It came out, like I said, it came out. Uh, it, it's just the Doomsday arc. It's not. It, it doesn't really go through the funeral or anything like that. But it's just like what led up to him dying, mm-hmm. right? And I still got it too, right? It's like a rare item, but I still fucking got it. Um, 
So continuing with the article, Gilroy Scripps saw that the death of Superman has returned through a mysterious Kryptonian force known as K, which is the remaining spirit of Krypton protecting the planet's last sun and which also acts as a temporary costume armor producing all of his powers, which is essentially like his black suit. Okay. It helps like regen- re- regenerate his body. Um, so in terms of villains, Lex Luthor, Brainiac, and Doomsday were the villains. Okay, and Superman lived... Brainiac was the one responsible for the destruction of Krypton and thus the death of Kal-El's parents and vowed to hunt down Kal-El as he is the sole survivor of the Krypton massacre. Then there's Lex Luthor, Superman's arch enemy, who is close to discovering Clark Kent's identity and when Brainiac arrives on Earth, they join forces, right? Mm-hmm. It's it like sounds an, like Infinity War. It starts getting wild, okay? <laughs> Brainiac and Luthor merge together to create like physically yes and a cyborg identity called lexiac <laughs> oh jesus christ all right <laughs> okay it looks like luther and acts like a robot right with brinick emerging from time to time by splitting out of luther's head uh today they create uh together they create doomsday right with the purpose of getting rid of superman and so the battle between superman and Doomsday takes place, uh, eventually ending up to like his death, right? Which, if you remember, sounds very familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Okay. Um, that one was so stupid. I know, right? As the world mourns the death of Superman, Lexiac begins. <laughs> like, get over that fucking name, Lexiac. <laughs> Begins to plan the destruction of Earth, just like Brainiac did in Krypton. But those plans end once Superman returns with the help of K, special K. Anyway, as mentioned before, Superman defeats Lexiac by destroying the Brainiac part of it. And some of and some have described a scene where a defeated Lex Luthor wearing a red, white, and blue thong is taken away in an ambulance. <laughs> so here's the thing: to add more life to the image of Brainiac. Luther and Lexiac. Can you guess who they were going to get to play Brainiac? Who? Christopher Walken. Interesting. Christopher Walken was rumored to play Brainiac, though Jim Carrey and Gary Oldman were also considered to play the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kevin Spacey was approached to play Lex Luthor, which he eventually did in Brian Singer's Superman. I That makes sense, because like... I can totally. I, I mean, obviously, Kevin Spacey does play Lex Luthor in Superman Returns, and I think he did actually a pretty good job. Uh, but he was like really channeling a lot of like Gene Hackman's performance from the previous Superman movies. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Olsen would have been played by Chris Rock. Who's Jimmy Olsen again? Oh, the, the, the reporter, the, the, the photographer. Yeah, that would have been played by Chris Rock. Uh, speaking to Yahoo Entertainment in September of 2021, Rock opened up about what about superman lives and shared that he went as far as to have a wardrobe fitting and seeing the miniature sets adding that a part of him wonders where his superhero movie uh as he came very close to appearing in one two decades ago chris rock has never been in this i don't think he's ever been in a superhero film like whatsoever mm-hmm. but i would have been that would have been kind of interesting but chris rock was like pretty hot around that time too mm. um lois lane sandra bullock I can see that. Okay. Uh, in it, Lois and Clark uh, meet at the Daily Planet. Uh, his identity is close to being revealed by Lex Luthor. He's considered telling Lois. Um, 
But it seems like uh, they have some problems commit. Clark has problems committing to relationships because who he is. You know, he's Superman. Other details about Lois' role in Superman Lives are after, are that after Superman's death, Lexiac tries to woo a grieving Lois in non-subtle and actually cringe-worthy way. Hmm. Sounds like rape scene. Yeah, yeah. She reunites with Superman and reveals she's pregnant with his child. With Superman? Superman's child. Mm. Um, also, who was also considered for the role of, of Sandra Bullock? Um, Courtney Cox, uh, Julianne Moore were, were Julianne Moore was approached, um, but the producer John Peters wanted Bullock for the role. Um, so, why didn't it happen? So here, here we go. Superman lives went far into pre-production process with the above-mentioned casting choices, screen tests, wardrobe fitting, scouting, with Burton choosing Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania as the main location of Metropolis, because that's how you think of Metropolis, Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, Pittsburgh was kind of gritty. Mm. I think it still kind of is. Yeah. Uh, and was set to start filming in early of 1998. However, while some elements of pre-production were moving forward, others were facing various obstacles, most notably the script. Warner Brothers ordered another rewrite from Dan Gilroy to budget budgetary reasons and filming was delayed and the project was finally put on hold and effectively canceled in April 1998. The budget, the budgetary reasons were the results of series of box office misfires from WB. Sounds Sounds familiar, familiar, right? Um, And even uh, went through in the 90s, including Batman and Robin. The Postman and Sphere, and even through even though Superman is a big name that is almost guaranteed to perform all uh, sorry perform well if the quality of story isn't the best, Warner had to be extra careful with the projects and chose to invest in. So, pretty much like it was cost them too much money. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I do want to see that version. Yeah. Like, in an alternate universe, that Superman movie is made. <laughs> you know? Um, so since then, Tim Burton, he has expressed, like, his frustration and regretting for wasting, for uh, essentially wasting almost an entire year on that movie. Yeah. Can you imagine that? You're, like, working on something for so long, and they're like, cancel. Yeah. Like, that's it. That sucks. Um. But yeah, like I said, there's this document. There's there's the documentary, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened, that's out there that goes in more detail with it. Which I believe you can um, watch or you can rent from Amazon or YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked it out, checked it out, but like reading this documentary or reading this article, I like I definitely want to check it out now. Yeah. I'm so curious. Funny thing, funny thing. Nicholas Cage does play Superman at one point. When? There is an animated movie called Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Oh, okay, yeah. Nicholas Cage finally gets to play Superman. And I remember hearing that voice. I was like, oh, he's done it. <laughs> he's finally, he's finally did it. Who played um, Noir Spider-Man? Nicholas Cage. See? Fantastic. going to do our geriatric cinematic of Spike Jones's adaptation. She hates me. She's disappointed. I could see it in her eyes when we met. I've got to stop sweating. 
looked at my hairline. She thinks I'm bald. She's thinking I would never in a million years sleep with this guy. We think you're great. Oh, thanks. Wow, that's, that's nice to hear. To begin, coffee would help me think. Coffee and a muffin. I'm going up to Santa Barbara this Saturday, and I, I was wondering. Oh. I'm sorry. So I'll just be right back with your pie then. Drum roll, please. I'm going to be a screenwriter, like you. I'm putting in a chase sequence. So the killer flees on horseback, cops after them on a motorcycle. And it's like a battle between motors and horses, like technology versus horse. This film came out in 2002. And the synopsis is, a lovelorn screenwriter becomes desperate as he tries and fails to adapt The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean for the screen. Directed by Spike Jones, written by Charlie Kaufman, it's based on the book, sort of, by Susan Orlean. It stars Nicolas Cage, Tilda Swinton, Meryl Streep, and Chris Cooper. Um, yeah, adaptation, man, god damn, that was a fucking good movie. <clears throat> back in 2002. I think it's still a good movie now. Um, let me see. Spike Jones was just... Spike Jones, who was a who was mainly known as a uh, video music director, was just like killing it with these movies, right? Uh, I mean, let me pull up some of the movies he's directed or what he directed before. Uh, adaptation. Damn, he's 107 credits. That's a lot. Uh, let's see. So, at the time... Uh, music video, music video, music video. Uh, let see, more music videos. More music videos. Hmm. Uh-oh. I know. Oh, Patch is trying to yeah, he's drink of that water. Move the water around. Um, I could have swore he did being John Malkovich. Uh, uh Pavement. Yeah, he was mainly known as a video music director. When did being John Malkovich come out? Um, oh, 1999. Okay. Uh, yeah, he directed Being John Malkovich in 1989, and then he went ahead and then directed Adaptation. Uh, both of those movies were Charlie Kaufman scripts. Um, this is this is one of the cases where, once again, it proves that Nicolas Cage can fucking act, especially given, like, the right material. Mm-hmm. He can really, like... He can really flex that at acting muscle and be like, this is why I want an Oscar. You know, not all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, despite my love for this movie, you know, which no one gives a shit about, uh, what did Kelsey think about this movie? I loved this movie. Did you now? Mm-hmm. All right, all right. What? <laughs> um, it started off. Where I was like, really don't give a shit about the Charlie Kaufman character. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt sorry for him. Mm-hmm. In a way, he kind of reminded me of you. Not that I feel sorry for you, but... Yeah, yeah you don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> well, because you're able to like control yourself better than this mm-hmm. character did. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You kind of have a sense that this movie is really going to go nowhere just like the book. Yeah, yeah. uh And then he starts writing scenes that you've already seen. Mm -hmm. Then he starts knowing, like, 
where the movie's good, the the script is gonna go, mm-hmm. and then it just starts popping off. Like it's like yeah. as soon as he accepted that his brother could be a, a decent writer, mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything lit up. Yeah, which is funny because like like as you said, like when this movie is going on, it's kind of like nothing's really happening other than. There's this dude, he has writer's block, and he can't he can't crack this story, right? And then his brother, who has essentially like a horrible idea for like a typical like cop drama thriller, you know. Mm-hmm. Um when it's like when the perspective leaves him and goes to his brother, it turns into like the typical tropes where there's guns involved, sex involved, car chase involved, stakeout involved, and stuff drugs. like that. Yeah, and drugs, yeah. And it, it not that like it makes the movie more entertaining, but it it goes to that whole meta level, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's and it does it in a very very clever way, which I think it's it it goes to what Charlie how Charlie Kaufman writes, who's a I think he's like a phenomenal fucking writer. Like I know if you I know you've never seen Being John Malkovich, but that is a great movie. Um, you've seen Eternal Sunshine, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, mm-hmm. another great movie. Um, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of ending things, which I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't. I, I think you were kind of like meh. No, I it. loved it. You loved that as well. You, you, I can't believe you don't remember how much I loved it. Well, because I because I I know we did an episode on it, and I even like wrote wrote a review on it. But that was like what like shit, was like two years ago. <laughs> this is what it came out when you were wanting to teach me about like uh symbolism and scenes and mm, stuff and there was mm. a lot of symbolism in that movie and like uh like layers where if you don't love film the way we do you would miss them yeah <coughs> <Bless you. coughs> sorry yeah okay also so- that movie is the reason why every time i think of charlie kaufman mm-hmm. i immediately think of jesse Plemons. like i honestly mm-hmm. picture his face comes up and it's like I'm very certain they don't look anything alike. Mm-hmm. But because he played in a movie that you were like all about Charlie Kaufman about, now all of a sudden that's to me, that's, he's Jesse Plemons. Oh really? Like they're the same person. Yeah, he like he, he back then he looked more like um Nicholas Cage how Nicholas Cage portrayed him in in, in adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh he's lost a bit of weight and he seems like he kinda of takes care of himself now, but he still had like that that bushy like Jew fro kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. And he is, he's very from like interviews and stuff I read about him. He's super, very, very fucking awkward and shit like that. Yeah. Um, so Kelsey, what, what did you, what did you love about this movie? Um, I loved Meryl Streep's character. Yes. I honestly, I love Meryl Streep period. There's something about her that's uh. like, She's not conventionally pretty, but she's actually very gorgeous. Like, mm-hmm. and she's a great actress. I'm I'm the type of person, like I whenever I see Meryl Streep, I'm like, damn, like she is a great performer. But whenever I see her out of a film, I don't fucking like her because she comes with a level of like Karen, not Karen, but like almost like if her shit don't fucking stink. Oh, I've been performing for all this. I know the treatment of being an actress. Blah 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 blah. Like, I'll give you two. I'll give you two examples. One was she had won an Oscar. I think it was like her second or third Oscar she had won, 
And she was just like, oh, no, like, come on, guys. Come on. I Really? I don't, like, pretty much, like, I don't want this. Like, what? Like, we mean, like, yeah. I was, I'm like, uh, just be appreciative of, your, of the shit you got. How often can you win an Oscar, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there was a comment that she made about, like, oh, we're all from Africa. That's what white people are told. Yeah, but no, but she was saying, she was more saying the sense of like, oh. Oh, we I, all share the same DNA? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and I was like, mm, 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 mm. definitely no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. She's of that the right generation. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so what did you think of uh, Nicolas Cage's performance? It was great. It's great. Ah, okay, okay, all right. So one thing I really liked about this film is mm-hmm. that the scenes where Nicolas Cage was paint playing both brothers and they were interacting with each other, mm-hmm. it never got a sense that they're, um, they're, you know how like directors have a hard time usually making it so the actors are actually looking at each other? Yeah, yeah. Like, it never got that sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it worked really well and it wasn't distracting. I think it. I think it worked so well, and I was like, I was like this too when I first saw it. Uh, obviously, Nicholas Nicholas Cage doesn't have a twin brother, but like the way how he plays the, his characters, Charlie Kaufman and Daniel Kaufman, you would swear Daniel Kaufman is a real person. You mean Donald Kaufman? Oh yeah, Donald. I'm sorry. Yeah, you would swear Donald Kaufman was a real person. Mm-hmm. Like the way how I honestly did think yeah. that. Um, and then you're like, yeah, he was so successful that he doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and actually, let me see. There is something I, I found on IMDb that I thought was very... Okay, here we go. Charlie Kaufman was nominated for a Golden Globe with Donald Ga- Kaufman, despite the latter being a fictional character. They were also both nominated for an Academy Award, and the Academy made it known that in the event of a victory, the two brothers would have to share uh, one statue. Because it was, it was just so convincing, and they were just so, like, selling that shit. It was like, yeah. I can see that. I can totally see that. Um... <laughs> Now, this was, uh, I believe this was the first Oscar win from, maybe the only Oscar win for Chris Cooper, who's been acting for like decades. What, mm-hmm. do, what did you think of his performance? His performance was really um, believable. Mm-hmm. I like I liked his performance a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know who he reminds me of, though. Chris Cooper? Yeah. Like, not Tiger King, but he reminds oh, me Joe of somebody Exotic. real. Mm-hmm. Like the way how, like the character or just Chris Cooper himself? The character. I can see Chris Cooper kind of having that Joe Exotic kind of vibe before Joe Exotic was a thing or mm-hmm. before we all knew who Joe Exotic was. Um, just, I would just say less of an asshole. Less of a manipulative asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even though he still was one in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I think, not as bad. Yeah, I think he was just more of a character who uh, just hurt. You know, because he like <laughs> he was just hurt. He was hurt because like his uh, he he was behind the wheel of that car accident that put his wife in a coma for three weeks. Uh, he killed his, his mom. I think that was, I think that was his. I know that was his uncle. I thought that was her mom. No, it was his. His mom. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the way how he played him off, like it's funny because like he's this very, um, I guess it may, maybe not. It, Enigmatic. I don't. That's probably not the right word. But like this character is very like all over the place and very like very knowledgeable and shit like eclectic, that. Eclectic, like, maybe. Yeah, eclectic. Yeah. And I remember there was like a line. There's he like said something, 
And Meryl Streep's character was like amazed at like what he said. And you you even said like, wow, the fact that somebody can say something so profound and be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that plays up to like how Chris Cooper it just, just merged himself into the role or just really de- delve into the role. Mm-hmm. And how Charlie Kaufman writes these very like profound things from like these un um these characters you never thought they would come out of. Yeah. Um, what did you think of uh, Kaufman's writing? I loved it. Uh-huh. <laughs> First of all, the what attracted me to the movie at all was mm. when you showed me the trailer, the fact that he's like, okay, I got to start from the beginning. Mm. And he goes all the way to the beginning of time. <laughs> and I'm like, that's how I think. Because <laughs> I, ha- I have a hard time. Like, you've uh-huh. tried writing with me, albeit not very hard. Mm. But... You'll, you'll try writing with me and I'm like, but I can't like, I think too literally about things. <laughs> so how do I let loose a little bit? Yeah. And um, so that's why I got really attracted to it. But then when I actually watched it and I was mm. like, oh, that's Mark. Yes. Not that you take it so literally, but you're like, okay, but then they did this and I can totally picture it in my head. And I'm like thinking about it right now. And then like, fuck, I need a coffee or something. I'm, like, I'm fucking hungry. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's funny because like I I do get like that when it gets into my writing, um, and uh, you know every 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 artist, writer, photographer, whatever. There's always like a process of like I have to go through these steps so I can like focus and shit like that, right? And you just turn fucking manic. <laughs> I just turn manic. How do you mean? the what i just described of you oh okay that's your process you're yeah. just like i'm gonna say all the shit really fast yeah all right uh, and yeah. none of it's i'm not even gonna make real sentences when i do it so you have no idea what the fuck i just said see it all makes sense up here i know exactly it's up here man <laughs> i can almost hear it like a rolodex like you know what i'm a, there's this there's this one time because like the way how my the way how my mind works i'm thinking of like so many things at once so at like a fast pace like the best the best way to describe it um it's like i have like it's like a circle of tvs mm-hmm. and i'm in the center of it um and maybe let's say like there's like six or seven tvs or something like that and mm-hmm. they're all at different they're all on different channels with different volumes volumes and stuff like that right mm-hmm. and they're all showing a different movie from different genres and stuff like that that's how like my brain works mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes a hard it takes a hard minute for me to be like all right that TV, I'll go with that one and then like stick with it, right? <laughs> Normally, music actually helps me like super hyper focus this shit, right? Mm-hmm. There was one time I had written this article for Screen Geek, and this happened years before was essentially now like this the streaming wars, you know, Netflix, HBO Max, Apple TV, all that kind of stuff, right? I did this, I did this research article for the site, and I was like, the streaming wars are coming, and here is why, right? It had all these examples, right? So I was in my room trying to think, like, how am I going to write this out? And so, like, I let the manic let loose. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, and fucking go. And I just start writing shit down, like, super fucking fast. <laughs> I was like, this, 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 and everything like that. And I was just, like, going at it, right? And I did that for, like, 20 to 30 minutes, right? Mm. And I felt like I, I ran at full speed for, like, three miles because I was exhausted. <laughs> However, I look back, I was like... All right, I can put the pieces together. I'm good. I can write this shit now. 
I almost did the same thing with the Canyon story, the Canyon Motel story I wrote. Oh, really? Remember, I yeah, wrote yeah. that shit while I was sitting at that one job before mm-hmm. JLL, mm-hmm. where they weren't teaching me anything, so yeah. I was just reading books. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all of a sudden, like I felt like I had to write, and I, I wrote the whole fucking story in mm-hmm. a day. Oh, wow. Not It didn't even take me all day, yeah. but I was just like... You're just going, going yeah. That's how some people, I think that's how some people work. Like they just, it's, it's them dropping everything and be like, all right, and go. And you just hit it hard and fast and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so some people it's successful because you're like, all right, I know where I was going. And there are other people who are just like, I don't know what the fuck is any of this. Yeah. I actually used to do that when I was drunk too, when I would, I would get drunk and write and I would be like hitting the keyboard and like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. And I come back to it. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> I don't know any of that shit. Um, so so back to the movie. Um, Charlie Kaufman's writing. You said you said I'm like that uh, in terms of like manic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What did you think of? You're like, also kind of not as awkward as him, but awkward. Like yeah. you get you get like that where you're just like I don't know what to fucking do with myself right now. Yeah. Like don't help my hands. Like help me. Yeah um so with that like what what else do you have anything else to say about his writing in terms of in terms of adaptation um yes i like how mm. you you're almost misdirected the whole time mm-hmm, mm. and you really think you're gonna watch this movie that at a point mm. just as you're starting to get bored with it it mm. takes the fuck off yeah 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 because like this movie it's it's a great um it, it's, it's so funny because how how this movie came about um, with uh, with the writing. Um, so the inf- information I found from IMDb it said based on based on uh, writer Charlie Kaufman's struggle to adapt the best selling book The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean, Kaufman quickly got writer's block and since the book lacked the dramatic structure needed for a movie, so he decided to write a screenplay about himself struggling to write a book adaptation exaggerating many of the other elements and the characters and making up new ones such as non-existent twin brother um knowing that the producers would reject the idea he did not tell them about the new direction in which he was taking the story and simply handed in the first script although this move was supported by spike jones kaufman himself believed it would it would end his career oh um now like Nicholas Cage says this in the movie as he's like coming up as he's like playing this character writing the script he's playing Charlie Kaufman he's writing the script but he's realized he's written himself into the script and he said it's like it's overindulgence it's like narcissistic and everything like that but I think within the context of this movie it totally fucking works mm-hmm. because it it really tells like the struggles of dealing with writer's block because that's I think that's a real fucking thing not just writer's block but. Mm-hmm having to deal with people when you're not very good at it Mm -hmm. how people really love their family members even when they treat them like trash Mm -hmm. like yeah um and you know like also that part where his brother was like um you aren't who loves you you're who you love oh yeah i think that's a that's a really beautiful line it is I'm afraid to tell you what what I thought immediately. Oh, please. Let's go ahead. I already know it's going to be some some 
some shit. What? It's gonna be some shit. It's gonna be because you, you, that's how like that's how our dynamic is. I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a very hopeful thing. This is a very beautiful thing. You're just like, no, it means this. Marcus fucked up. <laughs> okay, hear me out. Okay, I'm I'm here. Okay. Okay. You know that it is harder to take care of yourself than other people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So nothing you ever do. Like, nothing I ever do for myself or for other people is good enough. Okay. Right? You you felt that before? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, just me, just, I don't, I don't fully agree with it, but I know that is, that is an actual thing. It's, I it's, think you see it in me, don't you? That, uh, that you're not good enough or that you are good enough, but you. Well, that I, I have a hard time taking care of myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, It's yeah. almost like I, I'm showing myself that i'm not good enough for myself yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. okay when he said that i was like oh that's really sweet and it was really sweet but Mm -hmm. now the the more it drags on i'm like okay but now that he said that right Mm -hmm. is also like i am what i love so does that mean Mm -hmm. the things that i love are also now not good enough because I'm not. So, you know what I mean? No, I get... Fuck. <laughs> you made that... <laughs> My God. This is you being overly complicated. That whole thing you fucking do. He said something so simplistic. It's not... A, it's not who loves you. It's... It's who you... He said it's not who you... It's not... Who, you aren't who, who loves you. Yeah, you aren't You who, are who you love. Yeah, you aren't who loves you. You are who you love. But since... Since I'm not good enough for myself... Mm-hmm. Then, also the people that I love are not good enough either. Mm. <laughs> so clearly, that like that statement does not apply to you whatsoever because <laughs> you don't love yourself at all. I do, but it's a very you know love hate kind but of thing. That's the thing. I don't. I don't think he was really saying about loving yourself. He just. I think he was. I think his his what he was trying to get to is like up like a specific something that made him happy like how how that oh like yeah he's like i don't really care what people think about me i just i enjoy the way other people make me feel whether they don't Mm -hmm. they might not reciprocate it or whatever but i love that person and i'm Mm -hmm. enjoying that feeling yeah because like yeah in that that conversation he was talking about uh or charlie was talking to donald about like how the girl how like it was very flirtatious they're going back and forth it seemed like they're really hitting off and you can tell that what he was trying to say was like no, I had like I love that girl, or like I love that moment. So therefore, that's all I need because it's just a it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and it's my moment. It's exactly. And he said that he was like it was my moment to love. I didn't care what they said about me, you know. Mm-hmm. Which I it's it's so funny in this anxiety ridden world where like we're close to like fucking civil uprising and governments collapsing and meteors are next door neighbors and shit like that it's kind of hard to like get to that point in our lives like there are times where i feel really good about myself and not because like yeah i'm the shit or anything like that i'm I'm just like everything's not too bad there's people around me who i love and i care about you Mm -hmm. know like and i treat them well i mean i'm not the, the the i'm not the best father i'm not the best son i'm not the best uh best friend boyfriend lover or anything like that but like i have those moments of like I, I, I just, I, I love, I, I love, and it's making me, it feels good. It I love, and it makes me feel good that I, I can love. And also that you've grown. 
Well, that's another thing too. Yeah, like Kel- like Kelsey and I have like a long history. To- well, we- we've gone on like eight years now or something like that. We were in twenty fifteen. That's been a long time. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been through a lot, but like we've helped each other like grow as individuals. We were both at a like down point in our lives and stuff like that, and we did things t- uh, together and like talk things out and everything we're like oh yeah like you're not a bad person after all not, well, not that you can be a better person yeah and, and it worked and it helped it worked you know yeah um so anyways that was a fleeting thought that i had not like mm-hmm. that's not a, a fleeting thought it's gonna stick <laughs> it's gonna stick for a while it's not gonna stick that one's not gonna stick don't make like, it stick i'm not gonna make it stick i'm just i'm just calling it right now I said three times it's not going to okay. stick. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, I just winked. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it sticks, you know, I'm going to be here to help. Ah. I ain't going nowhere. Okay. Stuck with my, my sad ass. My sad loving, my sad loving ass. <laughs> Your sad loving <laughs> ass? Yeah. <laughs> um, Are you a sad loving ass or you're a sad loving ass? Like... Whichever works in the context of this conversation. They both work. Okay, there we go. On two <laughs> things. Um, oh, so Spike Jones is a direct in this movie. You know, it's, um, uh, you being John Malkovich is, is is a weird, trippy kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is less of a trippy movie. It's more just like kind of messing with time a bit and storytelling and stuff like that. So it's not as visual, like let's say is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So, but like it's on a more personal level, a more realistic level. Um, do you think that this movie worked? Uh, Spike Jones directing worked for this. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Especially with the whole twin thing, even though he wasn't a twin, like mm-hmm. I said. But also, um, I feel like this one would almost be like a blacklist. I can totally see that, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Where you're like, how the fuck do I tell this story three different ways and keep it coherent mm-hmm. and keep it going forward? Yeah. Even though you're going back. Yeah, and you're doing like these weird perspectives like back and forth to the point where like where like uh, the Meryl Streep character is falling in love with the Chris Cooper character like as she goes on and spends more time with him but you're kind of like well it's just is is this the story that uh charlie is like concocting in his own head you know is he or is she actually doing or is she actually doing it you know which kind of does which it does the whole meta thing and it kind of it's kind of telling the story it's telling what's going to happen later on while the movie's playing and it does the thing where you're like oh i hate narration (laughs) <laughs> yeah i know but right? he narrates almost the whole time yeah. and it's great yeah and it totally works you know it's not like oh and but you don't hate narration at all you just hate it when it's used too much yeah i like and it's lazy yeah like when you do narrate when you do like voiceover narration you never you never just you never say what's on screen mm-hmm. you know um but you don't give too much information on what the character what's going on in the character's head because you want the audience to kind of come to their own conclusion. Like, you can just do, like, let's say something happens and, like, the character in his head just goes, shit, that's good enough right there. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go, like, shit, I fucked that up. Oh, I should have done that. You know, shit like, just says everything you need to, you need to hear what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, that But this of, movie did it, though. I was like, shit, but it, <laughs> I should have gone in. Why didn't I fucking go yeah. in? I'm a fucking coward. I'm fat. 
I'm blah, 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 blah. But it does it on a manic level, which is like, that's totally somebody who has, who deals with like that manic nature and shit like mm-hmm. that. I get like that. Oh, I get like that all the time. I know, but that's when I start to feel like I'm losing control. Like today, I feel like my world is collapsing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> Keep it going. Um, so I, I want to share this little tidbit uh, before we draw to a close. Is it a tidbit or is it a titty bitty? It's a titty bitty. <laughs> um, so from IMDb, from the IMDb page for adaptation, um, uh, it says, uh, haven't, haven't been submitted the screenplay for approvals, approval. Susan Orlean was strongly opposed to making the film. She ended up reluctantly approving its production and was ultimately very impressed with the final result. Um, she said in 2012, uh, reading the screenplay was a complete shock. My first reaction was absolutely not. They had to get my permission. And I just said, no, you are you kidding? This is going to ruin my career. Very wisely, um, they didn't really pressure me. They told me that everybody else had agreed and I somehow got emboldened. Uh, I was certainly scared. It was, it was certainly scary to see the movie for the first time. It took a while uh, for me to go over the idea that had been insane to agree to agree it agree to it but i love the movie now um funny story is charlie kaufman uh he didn't meet he didn't meet susan orlean until like over a year into the production of the movie and how the story goes is that nicholas cage introduced her to kaufman the first thing she said was you have no idea how embarrassed i am right now to which kaufman responded with not as embarrassed as as me before running off set (laughs) The two never, the two didn't meet until after the year. That's hilarious. <laughs> Which is like, if that story is true or not, I'm like, I could tell you picture that from Charlie Kaufman. I mean, he basically did it in the movie. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so, given the themes, the acting, the directing, and everything like that, do you think this movie still holds up? Yes. Yeah, I think this. I, I I agree with that. Like I, the the camera look mm-hmm. looks dated. Yeah, some of the stuff looks dated too. But you know, it's 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 that year, two thousand. But everything holds up. Yeah. Um, I don't I I don't know that I've ever seen Nicolas Cage ever play anyone kind of stupidly positive. And I kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. It was almost like his weird, crazy, manic side. But oh, happy. You, you're talking about when he's playing as, uh, as Donald? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that. And then, you know, it's got like mental health themes, which I always love. And mm-hmm. um, it's about flowers. And, yeah. and I like those fucking flowers, too. I'm like, oh, shit, they are beautiful. Like, <laughs> you talking about that ghost flower? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the movie, you know, like, like I said, it covers mental health issues. Um Anxiety, ma- the mag-, mag nature, writer's block, obsession, um, essentially kind of like up and early, like that pursuit of something to bring joy into your life and finding it in the most unconventional ways and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, that part where Donald died, I completely fucking forgot that part. Really? Yeah, because I'm like, because like that part where like they're in the car, Donald's just been shot. I'm like, I know they get into a car accident, but I don't know how bad it is. And then I saw he like he get he. He literally flies out the fucking front, the windshield, mm-hmm. like, when they get in the crash. I was like, oh, shit, he dies. Fuck. I'm going to get through this again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, too, that the movie did, that it never works, but it did for this one. Where it's like, 
shock after shock after shock. Like, yeah. it started doing that towards the end. Yeah, the third act, yeah. And and you're not supposed to do that, and it did anyway, mm-hmm. and it worked. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because it was like, it was... It, like, it broke all of the conventional things that you're not supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which cast is that? I think that, I feel like that's... that's pocket. That's pocket snoring? Okay. Um... <laughs> I know. Wow. I know. <laughs> um, okay, so anything else? Um, no. All right. So that's going to be it for our show for this week. We like to thank the folks over at your your Entertainment Corner for hosting this podcast on their website. Uh, for all your film news, TV news, and reviews, go to yourentertainmentcorner.com, uh, where Kelsey writes at. Uh, you can find this episode and all past episodes on all podcast catchers. Um, so next week, uh, as I said at the top of the hour, we're going to be doing, uh, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, um, which will be in theaters May 6th, uh, which is this Friday, it's coming Friday or, you know, Thursday, if you want to go to our early showing. Um, so with that, I'm actually really happy about our geriatric cinematic. I'm going to finally show Kelsey 1981's Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi's first film. Uh, that is streaming uh, at the at the time of this recording is streaming on Shutter, uh, or sorry, Shutter AMC Plus, or is available to rent on Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, uh, or other VOD services. Um, the topic or theme for that week's episode is the road of a man and his madness. Nice. I can't wait to show you this movie. Yeah. It's oh, it's filthy. Why did you add slash theme to that? I don't know. I was just like, why don't we just say like theme? Like, because then like, because I don't know. I just added it. Why are you questioning me? Because that's what I do. <sighs> All right. Dully, 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 dully. It ruins Turpic. Fine. The Turpic slash theme. The Turpic. <laughs> Well, what, what, let's let's find a compromise. Let's 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 do a mixture of terpic and theme, and go thermkick. Thermkick. <laughs> I feel like this is the the sausage and mushroom pizza thing. <laughs> it's slowly devolving into madness. It is. We're just prepping for next week's episode. <laughs>